Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. I'm your host, Kristen Cole in New York. I'm a fashion director with 20 years experience in the industry as a high concept experiential retailer, fashion director, founder, and buyer. I work as a fashion consultant and advisor these days, and I'm basically a hopeless fan of great fashion and great design and inspired ideas. That's what I'm here for, and that's what I'm here to share with you on this podcast. In this episode number 14, I speak with Lauren Bartley, the Sustainability and CSR Director of Ghani, a Copenhagen-based brand we all know and just adore. I used to sell countless Ghani dresses in my stores to the many hashtag Ghani girls out there. I had a great conversation with Lauren. She's incredibly knowledgeable, and if you are as interested as I am in a more sustainable fashion ecosystem with topics like upcycling, circularity, innovation in materials, and hating on greenwashers, then this conversation is for you. Okay, so before we get into the interview, lots of things going on. It's May 2022. There's a bird chirping outside my window. I hope you can hear it. Uh, It's beautiful out in New York. I'm wearing Birkenstocks today with no socks. It's all very exciting. I recently attended Harlem's Fashion Row Sustainability Summit, which was really interesting. I was introduced to some brands that are new to me and some really impressive innovators and experts in this space that I want to learn a lot more about and have on the pod. I also virtually attended Business of Fashion's Tech Summit, which was really interesting. Some great conversations and contributors to the sustainable materials space, some tech disruptors, a lot of NFT talk, which I will, um, I'll just say it, it drives me completely bonkers. I'm all for innovation. I'm all for disruption, but the insane carbon footprint and energy required of Bitcoins and cryptocurrency seems to go against all the strides we were making towards sustainability and the overwhelming NFT uh, embracing by fashion brands and crypto uh, just seems to be deeply greenwashed. And I wish we were having more unsponsored discussions around this. I am definitely not an expert, but please someone tell me why I'm wrong and that these innovations are not sinking us deeper into the climate crisis. Please tell me. I would, I hope I'm wrong. (laughs) This week, the crypto market tanked. So who knows, maybe this will become a non-issue. In other super trendy news, destination shows persist. This week with Balenciaga's spring 2023 collection, runway show taking place in New York this weekend, and Kim Jones showing his spring 2023 men's collection for Dior in Los Angeles today. It's spring cleaning time, great time to edit out your closet, contribute to the almighty circular economy, make some money. I edited my closet, my big storage closet that holds beautiful pieces I never wear anymore. Uh, I always have said my wardrobe is the occupational hazard of having had stores for so many years. And that's true, but also a cop out, but I have changed and I mercilessly eliminated 120 pieces. I have a lot more to do, but I'm really trying to embrace the whole less is more way of consuming as a philosophy by design to be a more conscious consumer. And I have to say from just a practical standpoint, I really love my new tight edited closet. I worked with the real real to sell these items and I already have 
tons of sales. I can't believe, you know, how fast it's, it's working. (laughs) So it's uh, warm in New York. Finally, it feels like spring, which means sweater weather is out and t-shirt weather is here. All I want to wear are tees right now. I wore a vintage t-shirt last night with a smocked totem skirt and bright Miriam Nasir's at day heels to pastis and to some other things. Going tonight to Frenchette and I'll be wearing my new favorite Rita 90s tee, um, which is kind of like a shrunken baby tee in white uh, with denim and a red lip, which I always love. Uh, maybe a low heeled thong sandal. I thought I'd share my favorite t-shirt brands with you. I have many, but I will limit it to a handful. Redone, which makes a great 90s baby tee. Uh, They also have a really nice oversized kind of boyfriend t-shirt called the 90s Easy Tee. Yeah, both (laughs) based on 90s styles, which is definitely my comfort zone. Uh, Young Maven, which I discussed last week with Erin Beatty. Uh, These are hemp tees and... They feel like something maybe you could have bought at a farmer's market years ago, but they're really kind of like nubbly, lived in, soft, amazing hemp teas. I live in them. Monroe, which has a really great kind of basics program with simple organic cottons. They make really nice, simple, soft uh, tees, tank tops. I actually love their bodysuits. Uh, Kate has a very nice new boxy tee that looks super polished. I've not tried it yet. Acaus Lata uh, is for me a staple with their lapped tea. It's always flattering, very distinctive. And then my favorite tea, Co Collection Cashmere Teas, uh, the ultimate t-shirt luxury. I have several in my closet. They're the softest, most beautiful, most luxurious teas. And you have to hand wash those, of course, worth the investment. And now I'm excited to share my really informative conversation with Lauren Bentley of Ghani. I'm so impressed with everything the company is doing right now. It's a brand I love from a style perspective, a colorful, fun, kind of cool girl Danish collection with a devoted global following. But I also really admire it for their social and environmental responsibility criteria, standards, and commitments. Ghani has 33 of their own stores across Europe and the US. I love the Soho store. Their line can be found in around 600 retailers globally. So anyways, here we go. Here is Lauren joining me from Copenhagen over Zoom. Yeah. Hi. Nice to nice to meet you, Lauren. Thanks for joining nice to the meet pod. You too. I, I think so. Alex is joining us. Is that right? Yeah, I know she's super busy today. Well, we can just start and she can jump in at any time. Um, I actually, I met her and um, Ditta and Nikolai uh, at a dinner party at my house years ago. And yeah, they were all so great. I love, I love the team. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I saw seeing like the emails. So you were in Dallas before and now you're back in New York. I I was in Dallas and New York. I had an apartment in New York Mm -hmm. and a home in Dallas and the company I was running at the time had a headquarters in Dallas. So, um, and we had stores around the country. So I was basically just always traveling and, you know, completely insane. And now, uh, my life is a little calmer. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I wanted to start with the, the real basics, Lauren. So you are the uh, sustainability and CSR director for Ghani. Can you break down what that role is? Because it seems to be something that's more and more popular, you know, with companies right now. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, in my role at Ghani, I'm responsible for the overall sustainability strategy. 
And for us, that encompasses both the social responsibility and also environmental. And then because we're a fashion brand, obviously, there's also a lot of work on materials and innovation. So it's really kind of encompassing. Cool. Everything so work, that we do. So you do everything from like DEI work to mm-hmm. supply chain management oversight to material innovation and carbon accounting, plastics. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, you yeah. name it. Anything yeah. you see on Ghani and sustainability is coming from our team, which is amazing. I, I mean, Ghani has, you know, become, you know, I think very well known in the sustainability space and it is a B Corp as well. Is that right? Actually, not yet. So not we yet. Submitted our B Corp application a year ago. Okay. Um, and yeah, there's just like a huge backlog because it's really right. gained such momentum. Yeah, no, it's so, amazing. Yeah, I spoke yeah. to Luis about that a while ago and I was super impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, actually, we've been told that we will be audited between may and june so it should Amazing. be coming that's very so soon. exciting that's so exciting uh when did you join the ghani team so i joined it was september 2018 and okay. i was the first person working on sustainability full-time yeah. so prior to that ghani had a sustainability manager like way back in 2013 wow. but that person was then within like production and sourcing and sustainability yeah. and the intention from Nikolai our founder was to actually build a sustainability team that was sort of central in the company yeah. and didn't fall into one department so yeah. yeah I was the the first role in that like newly formed team back in 2018 and now we are five people in the team wow that's really progressive I feel like mm-hmm. you know it's only in the past couple of years that a lot of companies have started to you know take sustainability more seriously so that's really impressive yeah, definitely. And I think for a brand of Ghani's size back in 2013 mm-hmm. to have a sustainability manager was extremely rare. So, exactly. So, well, that's that's cool. one of you know the common complaints, especially from emerging designers and small labels. You know, it's it's the can we really afford to have this position? But I think it's it's becoming a very critical role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it makes sense for it to also start within production and sourcing because yeah. a lot of the impact both socially and environmentally is mm-hmm. within the supply chain. So yeah. if if they like if you cannot afford to have the resource of one person full time in sustainability, perhaps yeah. there is a way to embed it within production and sourcing yeah. to begin with. What are some of the other lines glo- globally that you look to in terms of social responsibility and uh, sustainability? Like who else is doing it right? Yeah, I think we look at different brands for different things mm-hmm. I think because sustainability is so broad you can really you know look at different people for different things I think yeah. Patagonia is definitely one that we look to because really because of their B Corp status and the yeah. score that they have they have around 150 points which is super impressive so we do look to them for a lot of things we've also recently been looking at a lot more at Pangaea mm-hmm. um, from like material innovation and also communication I think they're doing some really impressive work yeah Agreed. And then there's also this thing within the industry in sustainability specifically that it's actually very collaborative behind the scenes. And so we're actually very aware of what some other brands are doing behind the scenes, but not necessarily vocalizing. And that's really exciting. I um, love that. That's so nice to hear. You never know. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think of course, it, yeah, some, some brands will talk about it more than others, but if they're yeah. not talking about it, doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing happening. I think that's really, yeah. Totally. 
heartening to hear. Okay. So tell me about the Ghani headquarters with Alex, you know, joining on, on bicycle. What neighborhood are you in? So we are based in the city. So really in the center of Copenhagen, which is really nice. We're on a street called Bremerholm. Okay. Uh, and we basically you can't miss us on that street so we have our flagship store on the ground floor and then yes. we occupy the four floors above it amazing uh, okay it's a like whole building yeah exactly and we moved into that space uh, during the pandemic actually so it's amazing. been amazing to see yeah to sort of come back to the office and be in this space yeah it's cool did you guys have the store open throughout the pandemic by appointment or was it closed? No, so the store is also being built around the pandemic okay. too. So it all sort of opened in, yeah, early happened. 2021, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And then we moved back in. Tragically, I was supposed to go to Copenhagen August of 2020. So that never, never happened, but I was in touch with the Copenhagen, you know, fashion council and, you know, do a whole thing because I used to carry a number of Danish brands, including Ghani, Cecily Bonson, Sax Potts, Henrik Vibskob. So I, you know, I love the, the new Danish aesthetic, which mm-hmm. is hard to even put into words because it seems very eclectic. How would, how would you describe the fashion scene? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think just, you have such innovative brands here that are typically a little smaller but I think especially from a sustainability perspective for me that's super impressive and there's one in particular called Division Mm. and they focus a lot on upcycled pieces and just also in terms of the way they communicate around the brand yeah really refreshing I think I saw something on their Instagram the other day about launching uh, they wanted to launch like a a reworked t-shirt from Deadstock Fabric but they couldn't get the right the feel of the of the t-shirt so it's taken them like months longer to launch it and I think even just sharing that sort of yeah. insight is it's also a very Danish way to approach things and very similar to the way Gany also yeah. communicates on sustainability I think refreshing oh, yeah absolutely what are some of your favorite parts of the city you know for someone coming for the first time what neighborhoods do you love yeah I think there's so many cool places so I'm originally from the UK and I moved to Copenhagen three years ago so I feel like I'm very much like still exploring yeah I think that's the thing it's a relatively small city but there's still so much to do and see and it always feels like there's something new happening which is really nice but obviously the Ghani office is in like the center of Copenhagen where there's yeah, tons happening. And then I personally live in an area called Norbro, mm-hmm. which I'm really not pronouncing it the Danish uh-huh. way, but it's the, the English way of pronouncing it. Mm-hmm. And there, I think it's one of the more diverse areas of the city. Uh, I think, yeah, I just find so many amazing places. Very cool. Okay. So speaking of, of dead stock and upcycling, are you with Ghani, are you using any dead stock? Are you upcycling or are you mostly going in the direction of sourcing new responsible innovative materials no I would say we actually do both so we've been working a lot more with dead stock materials over the past two years so we basically now have committed to launching four like reworked or upcycled collections per year and for us they're known as recut Mm-hmm. And that would either be like finished garments that are unsold clothing that maybe are at the warehouse, for example. Mm-hmm. And then we would mix that with the sort of pre-consumer fabric rolls that you might find at a garment supplier that okay. maybe have been Ghani printed. So no one else could really use them. So we need to make sure that we use them. So we have four of those collections a year. And then at the same time, we're also looking at 
new innovations and a lot of fiber to fiber technologies. So we have a partnership with a company called Infinited Fiber based mm. out of Finland and also another one with Renew Cell based out of Sweden, mm. where that is taking old textiles and turning them into new. So Amazing. the idea in the future is that we can take old Ghani clothing and make it become new Ghani. Yeah. Fully, fully circular. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Um, are there any new materials or fabrics that you're very excited about in terms of innovation? I've literally just heard the term carbon captured textiles. Is that mm-hmm. is that a thing? Yeah. So we run a program called Fabrics of the Future, mm. which started in 2019. And that was because we could start to see that there was a lot of this, a lot of talk around fabric innovation happening and the space seemed to be heating up. And then something happened over really like the pandemic timeframe that a lot of these new innovations really just gained such momentum and also got a lot of investment. Mm. And so our Fabrics of the Future program also really evolved. So we're constantly trying to find alternatives to like even more responsible products. So if I take like cotton, for example, we've gone from using conventional cotton to only using organic or recycled cotton and then through fabrics of the future, we're now considering, okay, what is the future of cotton? Like, right. could it be lab grown? Could it yeah. be something else? Right, what's next? And so yeah, through fabrics of the future, we have 21 innovations that are in the pipeline. Hmm. Uh, we have five of them launching this year and hopefully six launching next year. And yeah, technologies like carbon capture, definitely a part of that too. as well as leather alternatives, which is a very exciting space. I think that one for me personally, I think there's some really cool things happening. No, that's very exciting. That's always been such a conflict for me. I was a vegetarian for 13 years. I didn't want to be using leather. I still buy leather, but you know, I think that's something that so many people have a hard time wrapping their heads around, but there have, there haven't been these, you know, there haven't been the right um, material substitutes you know, up until now uh, from the luxury perspective. Yeah, for sure. So we actually have a goal at Ghani to phase out virgin leather by 2023 mm-hmm. in Amazing. footwear and accessories. And we have already phased it out in ready to wear. Wow. And so looking at leather alternatives is one of our highest priorities. And we have, I believe, eight innovations or alternatives to leather that we really feel have, yeah, really the potential Um, which is great. And two of them launched this year. Fabrics of the Future, is this an internal program or is it something that the customer sees in some way? It's been up until this point an internal program Mm -hmm. and it was a way for us to explain the differences between using a more responsible material that is probably like more commercially available versus something that probably isn't commercially available right now or Mm -hmm. is really in that startup phase. But because we're going to be launching these five innovations this year. It is something that will become more public facing. Okay. And, and planet positive manufacturing, is that something that is included within the realm of carbon capture textiles, or is that more a, a production term? Yeah. I mean, I'm not particularly sure what is yeah. meant by planet positive. And I think that's the Me thing neither. with a lot of these terms that it's like, what does it really mean? But the carbon capture for sure. So that one, we are in conversation with a company that is, that they would obviously be able to speak about this much more eloquently than I can, but they are essentially like extracting carbon from the atmosphere and managing through their technology to turn it into like a cellulose to create a textile, which is super cool. And so we, yeah, so we look at these 
Yeah, and we look at these sorts of innovations through Fabrics of the Future as well. When it comes to like planet positive manufacturing, again, this is where like it gets into that strange territory of like what is really meant. Right. And is any production really truly planet positive at the end of the day? I think we all know the answer, but we're all doing the best we can and making strides, which is super exciting. The the industry, of course, gets a lot of flack for greenwashing. What annoys you the most? Yeah, I think it is what I was kind of alluding to just then is sometimes the buzzwords that are used and the terms. And I think it's not helpful really for anybody. It's not helpful for the industry and it's definitely not helpful for the consumer because how are they meant to distinguish what is meant? If words like circularity are used or sustainable fashion, like what is it specifically that we're talking about? Is it the materials that are being used? Is it something in the way the product's been designed that it could be recycled or repaired at the end of its life? Or what is it? And so I think the the buzzwords and the use of them. I know. Yeah. For me, it's like, I'm always, you know, I, you know, following, you know, looking at different influencers around the world and everything. And, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm buying these shoes and saving the planet. And you're like, what? Like, oh, that those two things don't go together. You're just making a more responsible choice. It's funny, funny new territory for sure. Um, Have you given much thought to the New York Fashion Act, which is, you know, kind of about imposing sustainability standards and requirements for doing business in New York? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think any legislation around textiles is super interesting and also necessary. And I think it would also prevent a lot of this greenwashing from happening because in the absence of having legislation, it is allowing companies to really like make up their own terminology, make up their own rules, definitions for certain things. And I think the legislation would definitely help create some consistency within the industry. I think with the... Yeah, with the the Fashion Act of of New York, I think one of the main things that's super important in that is the transparency that's required. And I think if all brands are incentivized to be more transparent about what they're doing, I think that would really help the industry move forward much quicker and also help the consumer education and understanding and help the consumer also make some more informed decisions around who they want to shop with I know I'm curious if if it passes if it'll if it'll just put fast fashion out of business in New York or if they will actually meet meet that rising tide Um, it it seems nearly impossible to me that they could but I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see play out for sure yeah definitely like I hope it would encourage like a, a shift to be more responsible and hopefully someday in the future you can't be in the fashion industry without considering like your yeah. social and environmental impact like yeah. that's really the direction that we need to be heading in I want to talk to you about collaborations so Ghani has a number of interesting collaborations over the past few years have you been involved in them how does how does that work in terms of your standards yeah for sure so we have a collaborations forum and so the sustainability team is part of that forum And the prerequisite for any collaboration is that it needs to meet our criteria for responsibility. So we would be in the initial phone calls with the collaborator and share like, this is how we have defined what is responsible from a material perspective, from supply chain and all of these different elements. And then we hear back from, you know, the the other company or the collaborator to hear like, 
okay, this is how they would define it and this is the work they're doing and just to make sure there's an alignment there. But yeah, like as a baseline, any collaboration that we have needs to hit requirements for responsible materials and also needs to provide like full supply chain traceability information. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily information that will be public. It's more like due diligence. What has happened, which is really nice as part of the collaborations, is actually they're helping us learn more about sustainability in areas that maybe we're not experts in and also like vice versa so if I take like the New Balance collaboration you know very technical footwear a lot of challenges around using more responsible materials and footwear because there's so many components and we learned so much through the New Balance team on okay there's a lot of learnings here that we can apply to our footwear yeah so that was great for us and then great for everyone Yeah. And then like another collaboration recently is like Dr. Scholl's, for Mm -hmm. example. And we, you know, put the requirements on the supply chain traceability, as mentioned, as sort of this due diligence and them going through that process. Actually, it was the first time that they had done it and then they wanted to share it publicly. So now we have the information publicly available through one of our third party partners called Provenance. And you can really see then the full supply chain of a Dr. Scholl's shoe and the GANI collaboration. That's so it's amazing. also creating like firsts as well. Yeah. Um, and really oh, like that. using, yeah, yeah. uses like collaboration as like a, a learning change. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and a learning opportunity. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Where does Dr. Scholl's produce? I have no idea. Actually, this production was between Croatia and Italy. Okay. And it shows like a literally like where like the FSC certified wood is coming from. And then each stage of like the manufacturing process in Italy. What would you say, obviously this is a a full-time role. You have a number of people on your team. What would you say are some like one or two simple best practices, low hanging fruit that even small companies can start to consider? It's a good question. Yeah, I think there's so much within the supply chain. And I think so much of the garment work is outsourced and in the supply chain. So I think there's definitely a first place to start is knowing who is producing your clothing. Starting that conversation with your factory. And yeah, a hundred percent, because typically, you know, fashion supply chains are very long and complex. And you usually have a contractual relationship with the manufacturer at the very end, the one Mm -hmm. that's then cutting and sewing the finished product and then shipping it to you. But everything else is outsourced. And so actually having visibility on who is that and trying to see, first have a geographical understanding of where your products are being produced and then seeing within that how you can potentially make a difference, whether it be social or environmental. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a lot of the impact is there. So if you could only do one thing, I would say that would probably be the most impactful. That's amazing. That's great. Um, When you said earlier on, when you were citing some other companies whose work you like in this space, um, and you said Patagonia has a great score, a score of 150 points. What do you, where do you go for your, for your responsibility scores? So I think, yeah, this is the thing. So we have created up until this point, a GANI strategy comprised of 44 goals to reach until 2023. And this is really a broad approach to sustainability to bring us up to a level of like good due diligence or industry best practice across a number of areas. And we've really made so much progress there that in the summer of last year, we had to revise the strategy and think, okay, where do we want to be by 2025? 
And one of those things is to become a B Corp certified company. So it's not only Gani creating mm-hmm. its strategy and a sort of like marking its own homework to say, we're doing great stuff. It's actually third party verified. There's someone else looking into what we're doing and verifying that it is credible, it is more responsible. And then it's also creating some alignment within the industry. And mm-hmm. so I think for us, it's definitely B Corp is a route forward. And that's also why we look to brands like Patagonia, because B Corp has around 300 questions mm-hmm. across various things, social, environmental, materials, how Gani operates as a business, mm-hmm. uh, the internal makeup of the company at Gani, women in leadership positions, diversity, mm-hmm. inclusion, like you yeah. name it, they pretty much cover it. Yeah. And then therefore your scores are sort of like weighted on those those questions. And so cool. for us, like we need like a, a robust framework. And that kind of provides that. Very cool. Yeah. So in this kind of uh, CSR role, because I, I see it becoming more and more popular with fashion brands today, are they offering coursework in this in fashion schools or what kind of background helps someone prepare for work in this space? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, that was not at Parsons when I was there a hundred years this ago. This is also yeah. the thing. Yeah. So when I was also like coming up, it really wasn't an option yeah. uh, at all. And now I think just the we have a lot of collaborations with schools and universities and we're constantly mm-hmm. being asked to speak about the sustainability, yeah. whether that even be in like marketing and communications degrees right. that we're asking to come in and speak about right. sustainability communications. So I think it's really changing and it has changed a lot. But I think what you will find is the people working within the industry right now Mm -hmm. typically haven't had that like academic background because it didn't exist. And so they're really coming from a number of different angles, which I think is actually a really good thing. So within the sustainability team at Gani, we really have a mix between like, I would say specialists and generalists. And the Mm -hmm. specialists, of course, they... They, they have like the, either the education or the experience in that specific field, right. but it also really needs to be mixed with people that maybe don't have any sustainability background. So we have like a project manager in the team that's never worked in sustainability before. And that's amazing because she needs to be able to translate what can be very technical information to, and disseminate that in a, you know, in a language that the rest of the company can understand or yeah. things like that. So I think yeah. it's really important to have a variety of backgrounds working yeah. in sustainability. And I also oh. personally don't have uh, an academic background in sustainability yeah. at all. Well, it's, yeah, it is such a new space. I, I recently took a class at Columbia University. They have a climate studies school now, which literally just had the first class graduate this year. So it's, you know, it's very new, but um, their professors are around the world and doing really interesting research projects. And um, you should, you should speak with them actually, because they are so well researched. Mm. No one in my class worked in fashion. So it's, you know, way broader and much more about, um, you know, energy supply chain and carbon footprint and carbon taxing and all sorts of things, but it was really interesting. And yeah, you can see the collaborative nature behind the scenes um, in this, you know, exploding new, new arena. It's great. And I also think it's changing so rapidly as well. So even what you may have studied like five years ago, the landscape now is completely different. So I think it's easily a conversation that you can get on board with quite quickly. And it's really now about like keeping up with how much is happening. 
Absolutely. Um, okay, so last last question for you. Um, I mean, Ghani is obviously, I mean, to me, Ghani seems like a real leader in this space. Um, so I'm sure you feel pretty excited about your work. How do you feel in general about the industry? Do you feel cynical or optimistic about the, the work to be done? I personally feel very optimistic. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we spend a lot of time day in, day out talking with new companies, startups, yeah. other fashion brands, colleagues in the office. And it's always about how the space is developing or some sort of new solution or new idea. So for me, it's actually a really positive space to be in. I don't feel negative at all yeah. about it. Um, but I fully understand when you witness things like COP26 yeah. and the outcomes yeah. are less than favorable that you really can feel a little hopeless or yeah. in light of like new research and data that comes out yes. that tells a, an unfortunate story it can be really yeah. disheartening but for me as a sustainability professional and also being at Ghani and having so much freedom in what we can do I feel very optimistic so purely like the speed yeah that that the industry has changed and the pace also like Ghani that we can get things moving and implemented whether it be rental resale five fabric innovations yeah. like uh you know living wage projects in the supply chain like all of those things um are happening at the same time yeah. i think that's that's what makes it a really exciting space to be in very cool all right well thank you so much for joining me this has been really really interesting and i'm sure our listeners um have a lot to learn here so thank you for joining well, thank you so much for having us all right well have a good one i'll be in touch soon bye